0: One day I decided to ask myself, could I break five minutes in the mile? At age 30, could I return to the sport of track and go after my unmet goal of breaking five minutes? Was my body capable of this? Was my mind capable of this? And most importantly, was my spirit capable of pushing through the ups and downs to find the answer? You are listening to Breaking Five, a running podcast, where we search for this answer as well as yours for achieving your Breaking Five moment, whatever that may be for you. We will gain inspiration and knowledge from others who have achieved their Breaking Five moment, those working towards theirs, as well as those who have helped the athletes along the way. I'm your host, Kristen Schultz, physical therapist, runner, and running coach. Let's run full force towards our wildest dreams and take a listen to today's episode. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Breaking Five, a running podcast. Um, I am here today with Dwayne Scotty. Dwayne Scotty is another PT and run coach. Super excited to have Dwayne here today. Dwayne is the owner of Spark Physical Therapy and also the Healthy Runner podcast and the Healthy Runner Facebook group. Dwayne has been doing a lot of amazing things this past year, and I'm super excited to pick his brain on all things heel pain, how he got started with his business, and anything else we come across. Dwayne, thank you so much for being on today.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for inviting me, Kristen. I'm super excited to chat all things heel pain as well as some of the biz stuff.
0: Yeah. So be good. So Dwayne, I always like to start my episode out with just a little introduction. Uh, I just introduced, you know, what you do on the running side, but can you share a little bit of how you got into running yourself?
1: Yeah. So I am actually an adult onset runner. So (laughs) I, um, never ran except for cardio in the gym to get lean. I was more of a uh, (laughs) gym rat uh, after college, during college, after college. And I wound up um, actually tearing my labrum in my hip 10 years ago now. And I did a little incident playing volleyball in the backyard and got a little (laughs) loose body as well. So I wound up having hip arthroscopy surgery. And I remember as I was recovering from that, my surgeon was like, you know, I, I, it was over the winter. I was like, gained a little weight. I'm like, man, I got to do some cardio. He's like, well, you can run, just don't run on the treadmill okay. just because of kind of that anterior glide effect of the femoral yeah. head and where I had the labral tear. So yeah. I was like, well, what am I supposed to do? And I live in Connecticut <laughs> and he's like, run outside. And this is like literally February. I'm like, seriously, <laughs> like runner, I've never, <laughs> I've never run outside before in my life, except when I was a kid playing basketball, <laughs> baseball. Right. I'm like, who runs outside? So I needed to get in shape. So I was like, you know what, let me try this thing. Went out. I remember my first run actually going from my gym. I remember that pretty vividly. And I was like, this is amazing. And I like never looked back since (laughs) it's like, I became a runner. I didn't call myself a runner, of course, for the first, like, what, 20 road races. (laughs) Um, But you know, I like the challenge of, you know, can I run a 5k? Okay, can I run a faster 5k? Can I do a 10k? Can I do a half marathon? Okay, let me get a PR, right? And can I do a marathon? So I like the uh, challenge that we can continually kind of push ourselves as adults, you know, now that we're not kids anymore. And running now is just one of those mental releases for me, you know, it started out as kind of you know, getting in shape and, you know, staying fit, staying healthy. And now I definitely really, really value, especially since the pandemic, everything that's happened, you know, the mental clarity that it provides to just honestly keep my head on straight and keep the stress levels down and keep everything uh, rolling.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. I love, I love hearing about people that start running in their adult life. And I feel like that's most runner. I don't know. Like, I feel like more runners that I come across like that are still running actually picked it up. in as an adult, than when they're younger, I don't know if you found the same, but that's what I feel like uh, when I go to like run clubs and stuff.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think there are a lot of people that I come into contact with, even people who started later than me. So I started at, uh, uh, each 31,
0: okay. but I
1: know many runners who, you know, started in their forties or even in their fifties yeah. and they're like BQing, you know, they're like yeah. crushing it. I'm like, that's wow, awesome. man, if you ran like earlier in life, you would
0: <laughs> You've been <went> so good. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I love it. Um, And um, what was I going to say? There was something else I wanted to comment on. Um, Oh, just that your first run that you loved it. Like, I don't feel like there's not that many people are just like, yeah, my first run I just loved and it was awesome. (laughs) So super cool.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I didn't say it was, it wasn't hard. It was definitely hard, (laughs) but it was just being outside and, you know, I don't do a lot of out. Door activities. I never was into like winter sports and like skiing and stuff like that. So to be out in cold weather, you know, actually like exercising, I definitely saw the benefit of that.
0: Yeah. And now, so you were a dancer as well, or you treat dancers. You were a dancer, correct? No, I was.
1: Yeah, you're right, man. You did your research. Uh, So (laughs) We
0: talk about you dance on your IG, so I mean, (laughs) dance with your family. So Yeah,
1: no, I grew up as a dancer, um, and that's actually how I met my wife. Uh, We went to the same dance school, and so I kind of danced my whole life, uh, tap jazz, partnering work, swing dancing, anything where I could flip a girl around, um, that was me. Um, I love doing lifts and partnering work. So yeah, that was pretty much, you know, my growing up, uh, years, even in college, I danced, um, recreationally in college in our kind of club, you know, and then after college, I retired, so to speak for 10 years. And then when I had kids, uh, my daughter, of course, with my wife and I, uh, being dancers we're like, we got her enroll her in dance school. Right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> Then the local dance studio owner, because we grew up in New York and now we're in Connecticut. Um, they're like, oh, you guys used to dance. So then we got roped into like being in their recital. And then I started, I wanted a challenge. I was like, can I still tap dance? And then it was like, I started taking classes. Then I started teaching classes <laughs> and it just like snowballed. Uh, and then that's actually, you know, the first kind of niche that I went into is working with, uh, performing artists. So doing like dance medicine, um, rehab, just because I knew about dance. I, you know, was kind of ingrained in that setting and knew a lot of the problems that they kind of had.
0: Yeah. What made you, and did you do a little bit with tennis players too? Was that right? Or did I make that up? What just dancers and runners? Yeah, it
1: was dancers and gymnasts. So I had one daughter that was a dancer, one that was a gymnast. And because, uh, gymnastics was similar to performing arts. You know, I, I did a lot of continuing education, you know, work in performing arts. Started my research line in performing arts and was my daughter's gymnastics place. Was like, hey, we got a lot of injured gymnasts here, we have a massage therapist that comes in. You know, can you treat here? and see gymnasts. And that's actually how I know we're going to talk a little later about the business side of things, but (laughs) that's how, you know, my business started actually was out of a gymnastics uh, gym because the need was there. They were having a problem. All the girls were getting injured. They weren't staying (laughs) healthy. And so that's where I really started my business out of that uh, gymnastics studio. So I did start with kind of the niches of kind of dancers, gymnasts, and then runners because I wasn't a dancer anymore, but I was a runner.
0: Right, right, right. That's awesome. What made you switch to, you know, and of course we can go in this a little bit later too, but to all runners, was it a passion? Was it just more people injured just the way your business took you?
1: It was a combination of a couple of factors. It was definitely moving in that direction because like you said, that's where my passion really is. And again, it was, it was really far for me to, you know, when I was dancing and you know, my passion was really talking to my runners and, you know, not that I didn't really like helping the adolescents out and, you know, because there isn't great care and a lot of people don't specialize in that area. And some of the information isn't great for like performing artists. So there's a need there to really help those, um, you know, dancers and gymnasts, but really my passion was running. And then the pandemic, honestly, just catapulted that forward because all the gyms closed, dance studios closed. So it literally just shut down, you know, pretty much 50 to 60% of my clientele. And I couldn't treat out of those places anymore, um, even when they reopened with all the restrictions. So um, then I just went all in with my runners and it's been amazing.
0: Yeah, no, it's awesome. And yeah, if you are a clinician or you just enjoy you know hearing the business side of things definitely stay tuned and we'll get into a little bit more of you know how Dwayne has built a successful online business um you know really in like the past year year and a half so um stay tuned for that um but wanted to start off with some content for you runners which will be all of you guys listening but we're gonna be chatting a little bit of heel pain today my favorite, you know, I just love heel pain because I've had it and I totally plant a So this is such a fun topic to talk about, but I um, <laughs> want to bring Dwayne in here to, you know, talk all things heel pain. Cause I know a lot of you runners out there, it's a common thing that we get, right. And it can be really frustrating. You can last forever. And there's just a lot of, you know, misconceptions out there on what to do. And so just want to bring another PT in and we'll just have a good discussion on heel pain and Stay tuned. He also, well, I'm filling the beans maybe, but I'll just share it now. Um, Dwayne's going to have a uh, special PDF for all of you guys on heel pain as well. So stay tuned for that. We'll talk about it in a little bit. But, Dwayne, uh, first off, have you ever had heel pain?
1: I have, guilty as have. charged.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, it, have you had multiple bouts or just one? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I've had definitely uh, mild symptoms on kind of both sides, um, definitely left a little bit more so than the right. But, you know, when you talked about this topic, I was really excited, honestly, because there are so many runners out there who get this and they think they have to stop running. Right. And that's not necessarily the case whatsoever. It's actually quite rare that yeah. a runner actually needs to stop running. So there are some simple like self-management strategies. And that's really what even all the evidence shows us nowadays that's out there in the research realm is there are some great self-management strategies that runners can do on their own that can help manage these symptoms. So you don't yep. have to actually stop running.
0: Yep. yep, And I think, well, luckily, since I've had this heel pain and then a tear. We have talked about it somewhat in some other episodes, but I know I have you know shared before. Like I've had episodes in the past, and one thing like this time I did do better, even though I ended up tearing it, not related to running. But um, was that in the past I did take off running, like uh, you know eventually in a lot of them, and it was always like you know teaching. I was like, hey, this is what I didn't know then. Now this is how I would go about it. But you can like like lots of most it running injuries want to keep running as much as you can. So I like that you bring that up. Ben was just, you know, sharing, he's had about you know, of, of some heel pain as well. And you've stayed running through it all, correct?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I haven't shut down running whatsoever. And, you know, it's literally mild, the symptoms that I have, I feel it, you know, the classic sign for those that are wondering, do they have plantar fasciitis? Um, <laughs> the cardinal sign is you get up that first step in the morning, you know, you take your first couple of steps and you have pain right underneath your heel bone. Um, it's usually more toward the inside. Side, and that's kind of classic, and then it loosens up. It's not as stiff as you know. A couple of minutes after that, some people who do have a little bit more irritability, then they may feel it toward either the beginning of their run or. During that long run, you know, if you're half marathon training, getting up to kind of eight, nine, 10 miles, or if you're marathon training, then, you know, that 14, 16 miler, you might start to feel some symptoms toward the end of your run. That's kind of the classic um, plantar fasciitis, we call it, but it is somewhat of a misnomer because itis means inflammation. And a lot of what we know about this condition is, you know, it is more degenerative changes that are happening to your tissue and the actual fasciitis itself. And you know, that's the reason why the treatment is not to just rest, ice it, don't run like that doesn't actually help and heal this type of condition. It's not like you rolled your ankle and now you have a swollen ankle and now you (laughs) need to actually like not run on it because it's painful and it's just going to swell up more. So the treatment for this condition is definitely uh, much different.
0: Yeah. Oh, I like that. And speaking of like plantar fasciitis, well, you usually call that plantar fasciitis with your patients still, that can be a whole discussion, but keep it simple. And what runners out there know it as correct.
1: Yeah, exactly. And even like the, you know, the freebie that we're going to give your listeners, you know, the PDF I call plantar fasciitis because that's what everyone knows it as. That's what, you know, everyone who has this condition is Googling anyway. Um, But yeah, we do know the medical term, if you want to use osis or just, (laughs) you know, plantar heel pain, they're calling it in the literature, um, a bunch of different terms, but it's all the same condition. It's pain in the bottom of your heel after prolonged sitting, you know, first thing when you wake up. And it is usually most common in, you know, middle-aged runners, um, or the most common population to get this uh, yep. type of condition.
0: Yep. Yep. And what is the most common cause do you see, um, of this condition? What do you feel with the runners that you treat, um, usually ends up, you know, leading to this?
1: Yeah. So cause wise, you know, we do know that it is, you know, most common in, like I mentioned, runners, middle-aged, yep. um, folks, If you are a little overweight um, or pregnancy, and then even the extremes of like foot type. Um, So either a really high arch person, they're like that rigid foot. They're like, you know, not sneaking up on anyone in their homes, walking on, you know, their (laughs) uh, hardwood floors. You can hear them coming from miles away (laughs) versus like the flat, flat pancake foot person. Who's like a ninja (laughs) Um, walking around their house. Um, You know, those are kind of the extremes, but it really honestly comes down to load and how much we are loading the fascia. And it really comes down to like, you know, you're the expert, you know, for programming running, it's a matter of not doing too much too soon. Right. And that's the thing that really kind of tends to kind of spark, (laughs) you know, this condition up. Pun intended.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but that's the name of his business if you didn't catch that. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Thanks for sharing on that. What um now do you find well first off, let's back up where my mom was going. Um, you know, there's a lot of like treatments out there, like say a sock or you know, rolling your foot on, you know, a ball or rolling your foot on a water bottle with ice. You know, even when I was like injured people, these are things like, you know, anyone out, out and about, oh, you gotta try this. Um, What are your thoughts on those types of treatments?
1: Yeah, so there are a lot out there. You know, many of those things feel good. And I can tell you from personal experience as well, and most of the literature supports that, that patients feel that they help the rollers. You know, what are we actually doing when we are doing that? Are we stimulating the nervous system? We really don't know. Um, We're certainly probably not deforming tissue and actually stretching it out, really, when we roll it on any of you know, the rollers that you can get at your local pharmacy definitely feels good. Like I feel like it's a lot looser. (laughs) I like to actually incorporate that with some active motion of my big toe. Um, Mm -hmm. so you're kind of rolling with some active motion of your big toe, trying to lift it up. But this is one of those conditions that stretching gets a bad rap, especially the last, like I would say decade, right. (laughs) Within like the PT world. Yeah. And (laughs) And I agree, it should. (laughs) Like if you have a (laughs) proximal hamstring pain, like don't stretch your hamstring. And we used to think that stretching was like the answer to everything. And when I'm definitely a whole decade older than you, uh, Kristen, (laughs) so when I first graduated PT school, it was like stretch everything, right? Yeah. And now we know better that stretching doesn't help a lot of conditions, but this is actually one condition that the literature (laughs) constantly actually supports stretching of the plantar fascia. Yes. And that patients that do, you know, a specific protocol, specific exercises to actually stretch the fascia, do better than those that don't. So yeah. this is, you know, one of the things that I highly recommend, like everyone, if you think you have this condition, then you should definitely be stretching first thing in the morning before you take that first step out of bed um, a yeah. simple way cross your, you know, leg over, grab your foot, bend your toes back. Um, I have exactly how to do that stretch in the, you know, the freebie that will give your list And then most importantly is the progression of that. So there are some weight bearing progressions that we should be doing to actually stretch and actually add load to that fascia. So a big proponent of stretching, if there's one thing that you need to be able to do, or you should be doing is definitely stretching the plantar fascia, and then also stretching the Achilles and calf complex if, you know, it's tight. And you're limited there because we often do find that those who have limited flexibility in their calf muscles and their Achilles tendon will, you know, that will be a contributing factor to getting plantar fasciitis. So that might be something that you need to address too in your soft tissue care of your foam rolling, make sure you're hitting the calf muscle, make sure you're stretching your calf muscle dynamically, actively before your runs, and then some static stretching after your runs where you're holding a good 30 to 60 seconds.
0: Yes. Yes. No, love it. Is the calf stretching in your PDF as well? Yes. Yes. Okay, perfect. All right. There we go. Um, What other common things do you find, you know, help well with heel pain?
1: Well, first thing I do want to mention too is patience, um, because as (laughs) it's not going to really help you, but you're going to need patience because this condition does take a while to heal. This is one of those stubborn chronic kind of conditions That is not going to go away overnight. So make sure you bring your patients with you. Um, There is no quick fix. So if you're buying the sock that's supposed to cure plantar fasciitis, or you're buying the brace, you're buying every single gadget. Like I've seen it all. My patients have had like, you know, you buy every infomercial, right? Because you're desperate for a quick fix. There is no quick fix. Um, It is going to take persistence. And with the stretching we talked about, and then a progressive, Training program, loading program, Um, but other things that can be helpful is I find activation of the deep foot muscles. So we got small little muscles that are in our, um, our foot that help to stabilize the foot. So we can actually provide stability through your intrinsic muscles, which are those muscles deep in the foot um, that will help take stress and load off of the plantar fascia. So, especially for those that are at those extremes of the really low arch person, um, and even the high arch person, but more so for the low arch person, um, I find that activating those deep foot muscles can be helpful, um, as well.
0: Love it. Awesome. Yes. I have done lots of those. So, yeah. It's good, yeah, a little yoga,
1: <laughs> yoga toes. Oh, yoga, you know, all the above,
0: lots of single leg work, all that. So, yeah, um, anything else you would like to add um, on peel, heel pain? For I think I said peel pain, heel <laughs> pain for our listeners,
1: yeah. Then, really, lastly, is you know, resistance, adding resistance training and adding load. Um, that's usually the point that most folks, especially runners, if you're not seeing. A running physio like yourself um, or me, you know that that's where it usually stops. You know, you go to PT for two times a week for, you know, three to four weeks or six to eight weeks, whatever the script said um, by your doctor, and you know they maybe did some modalities on you, some ultrasounds, some E stem, some ice, and they gave you some stretches, and then it usually stops, maybe with some a little bit of strengthening, but. You really have to progress that. So yeah. it's the progression of loading your fascia and then strengthening that calf muscle um, and strengthening the whole lower leg because when we run, we're standing on one leg every single step we take. And we need strength from up above that's going to help decrease stress down below. So you know, just making sure that you're strong on one leg um, is really going to be critical as you, you know, ramp your running back up.
0: Yeah. Yep. No, I love that. And that's where, like he said, and hopefully if you listen to enough episodes, you start to get gist. but, um, and you know, general PT, a lot of times, like that's where it stops. It's like, okay, you're back to running. Okay. We're good. You can go. But like, that's where for runners, especially that's where you keep getting injured is you ne- need that slow progression back to running back to strength training and someone that can help guide you on that, like training aspect as well, which is where a lot of these people I'm bringing on help with that side of things too, and where it's just so important. Important to find you know a physio who works with specifically with runners and of course everyone's it's, not everyone's made equally it's different some people will say they work with runners and maybe they don't have as much especially but overall like finding someone that specializes in runners and can really you know ask them if they can help get you back to running not just feel better to get to like ground zero of running so I hope that we start to get that with with all these episodes for sure but thank you Dwayne. I really appreciate all that info this is gonna be great and I'm excited for the PDF I'm just gonna ask you a question that you know, with a bunch of, you know, physios I brought on to the podcast and everything, I feel like, you know, and maybe you'll know better than me too, like over the past, I don't know if it'd be up to like 10 years, but maybe like five years, especially like there's definitely been more of a, you know, push towards, you know, strengthening versus stretching. And I feel like a lot of, there's a good amount like of, you know, PTs too, that won't really even do any manual work now, or, you know, no soft tissue. Um, You know, you've been in this game a little longer than me. So what are your thoughts on that? Have you seen that as well? Do you have any opinions on on that kind of trend?
1: So I'm just going to pass over the fact that you just call me old. (laughs) No, 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 I get, no, I totally get it. And yeah, and that's really where my like PT background originated from. And I've done like all of the manual therapy certifications courses, you know, I did my OCA, I went down that whole clinical route before even I went an academic route um, in my career. And I am a believer in manual therapy and I, I know it has its place. So I think it's like anything in life, you get these like extremes, Right. And right. I feel like if you're living in those extremes, then you're really not keeping your mind open to other possibilities and you're only yeah. seeing what you want to see and what you want to hear. And yeah. I, I think we've all realized that in this past last year, year.
0: I, was just <laughs> gonna that. I was just like, oh man, it's like
1: how polarized, right? Yes. Like we are in life, <laughs> but same thing in the PT profession, right? Is you know, you got this like manual therapy camp and you got the exercise camp and no yeah. one meets in the middle. And I think that's <laughs> like completely ridiculous because there are clearly like manual techniques that I've done that I know I can reassess and I see a significant change in like what someone can do. Let's take ankle mobility is a great example yeah. because that's limiting a lot of runners and those that have plantar fasciitis, sometimes that ankle joint is locked up. So a good quick manipulation, boom, you do a reassessment with a weight bearing lunge test. Like they cannot bring their knee forward over their ankle. They're saying, ow, that hurts. I'm getting pinching in the front of my ankle. And you do a quick manipulation. They're like, oh, wow. Now my ankle can move. So for me, if I see someone with plantar fasciitis, I'm going to assess that if it's limited, I'm going to incorporate some treatment, reassess, and then, you know, that can help. But Yeah. It's got to be somewhere in the middle. Are there many patients that get better without even needing to put their hands on them? Yeah, absolutely. Like I see pretty much exclusively all my patients uh, nowadays is virtually. So you know, you are able to get better with other strategies, but there are times when I'll refer like all my coaching clients and being like, you know what, let me find you a local practitioner, because I know if they can do like these couple of manual techniques, you know, you're just going to need like a couple of sessions and you're going to be like, good to go. And then we can work on, you know, the progression with strengthening part.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. I just, I feel like I've seen that trend. And it's just like, yeah, just it can get easy to like, yeah, you have to get your own thoughts on what works for you and everything as well. And I know my schooling was very heavy manual based, right? Like very not honestly you know exercise based and then so i feel like after school it's like that's what i've been and that's what i thought we were going to do more is exercise honestly i was just like surprised like oh we do manual therapy i didn't even know but yeah just curious on that trend and you've you know done a lot more courses than me you've, you know like you said you had you know been in academia as well and all that so i appreciate that
1: <laughs> yeah
0: um awesome let's see anything else you want to hit on on heel pain in general
1: I don't think so. You know, besides the fact that, you know, what I really started it with is you don't have to stop running. So if you've been frustrated and you've tried everything, like, you know, reach out to someone like Kristen, myself, you know, someone who really knows about running and can progress you in the proper way. So you can actually do what you love. So I know it it can be frustrating, but it will get better. And I think, you know, I think everyone, like all your listeners should definitely know, Kristen, like your scenario is extremely rare right? Extremely, like I literally have never come into contact with that has ever like fully torn their plantar fascia like you did. And I've been, you know, in the rehab world for 18 years now. So like, I I think we should definitely state that. So no one's fearful, right? That's listening to this, that, oh my goodness, if I run, I'm going to tear my, you know, fascia, like, and that was this specific incident, you know, so you should be rest assured that it will get better. Yeah. And there are simple solutions. Um, you just need to be consistent, honestly, with it, with like the stretching, with a soft tissue care. If you're really limited in mobility, you have to actually work at it. And that's even what the literature shows as well. It's not about doing one yoga session once a week. And you call that your stretching on your like recovery day. Yeah, It's you consistently stretching for a good 10 minutes every single day gives you better carryover effect and actually better results in if it is a big flexibility issue in your calf muscles, in your ankle, in your fascia, you have to be consistent and actually do that on a daily basis.
0: Yeah. I like that. Yes. I should, I should like hit on that a little bit more too. Like it's very, like, I I mean, even in all the PTs I have contact with now, it's like under, I'm way under 10, like, I don't know, like five total, like that I've ever seen a plantar fascia tear. And like, you know, sometimes it's like, they're, they're like one, it's been a number of like older patients and like, or like not full tears. Like it took them out of running for like two months, but not like an actual tear like that happens to, you know, I don't know. I'm thinking, I didn't know this until actually I can remember. Albert Pujols, baseball player, he tore his. So I know that like traumatic kind of a deal more so like, which happened to me, not just running and it happened. But anyways, yes. (laughs) Not the same thing that we're talking about. So, (laughs) but yeah, no, (laughs) but awesome. Thank you for sharing on that. I think, yeah, no, that's good. What, um, any, like, I'll just give you like the open mic, anything else you would just really love to share for runners that you find just super important for is staying, you know, as injury free as you can, as a runner, now that you've worked with more and more runners that we haven't hit on. And, you know, that pertains to heel pain specifically.
1: Um, that doesn't pertain to heel pain, right? Is yeah. Said? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no. I think the biggest thing um, that I see a lot in runners is, I guess, really two misconceptions: is the whole cross training phenomenon, and many runners, you know, think that cross training is good because you're not running and you're doing something else. Though I agree with that, if you're not a triathlete and you're not specifically trying to improve your swimming or your you know, biking um, and you are a runner and you are just swimming or biking because it's not running, you would be better spent, spend your time uh, more wisely doing specific running strengthening um, and strengthening your running specific muscles versus just doing random kind of cross-training exercises. So yeah. I think that's a, a misconception out there is, is that whole cross-training. And I don't know if it's as common nowadays, but I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's, I think it's like my generation, like 40s and 50-year-olds. I feel like that was the knowledge that was out there is like, I know as a runner, in order to stay healthy, I need to cross-train. So my big, my big belief system really relies on strengthening your running specific muscles. And a lot of the hit classes, the camp style classes, CrossFit classes, don't hit on the yeah. little guys that we need as runners um, to be strong. So, you know, we'll just do this real quick. Yeah, I know you know these, but you know, for those that aren't clinicians and don't know, like really the big ones that aren't in your standard exercises of like a squat, a deadlift, are your side hip muscles, your gluteus medius, your deep hip rotator muscles, your external rotators. And then I would probably say, you know, your calf muscles for endurance wise. Um, Many people don't strengthen them on a weekly basis and kind of ignore right? You like ignore the calf muscles, especially a lot of females, right? No one wants big calves. Um, So they never work them. But like, it's unbelievable how many runners that you haven't been to a single leg uh, calf raise. I just had one yesterday and literally was like 13 reps. And it's like, okay, you're training for a marathon right now. And you can only do 13 (laughs) reps of a single leg calf raise what do you think is happening, right? (laughs) You're one mile into your run, let alone, you know, you're running a 20 miler um, at the peak of your training. Uh, (laughs) What do you think is happening to your mechanics when that muscle is not strong enough to actually control, you know, your lower leg from coming forward? So, you know, those are the big three that I see missing out of a lot of uh, runners programs. And then the other uh, big pet peeve of mine is, is the old uh, gym machines. And this is probably less common this last year because a lot of people weren't working out in their gyms, but, you know, doing the seated hamstring curl machine, you know, as opposed to there's so many better, what we call closed chain exercises um, that you can do for your hamstring muscles that's going to prevent you from straining your hamstring or getting the all too common, you know, uh, PHT or proximal hamstring tendon pain right at your sit bone. Um, You really need to strengthen that muscle, what we call eccentrically, and you need to do it where it's moving at your hip joint, not only at your knee, because that's how it functions when you run. Um, so those are kind of some of the big uh, pearls and the big things that I see missing out of a lot of runners, like, you know, training programs. And I think are a lot of the, the things that really set them up for those common running related injuries.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. That's awesome. That's good. Yeah. It's good and i you know he was hitting on to just the you know say hit training type of um you know exercises and whatnot but it's just not the same as actually strengthening that you know that you could see that as cross training honestly it's not strengthening what you need as a runner to make you stronger for the same purposes if you want to do it for just another form of exercise like there's that but um just know that boot camp classes you know granted they might be okay who knows usually, I mean, look, anyways, um, more of those hit style trainings need to be strengthening too. So awesome. Thank you, Dwayne. But going into the business side of things and getting started, I know earlier in the podcast, we hit on the fact that, um, you know, really the pandemic kind of spiraled you into really going full-time with the runners, correct?
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely.
0: You were working with, you know, dancers, some gymnasts still, and then that kind of spiraled you all in, in, into runners. And, majority is online now, right? You're not really in the clinic too much anymore.
1: Correct. Yep.
0: Like, did you know that's what you wanted to do? Did you know you want to be online or did it just kind of evolve?
1: No, it definitely evolved. Um, I definitely didn't know that. And as we were talking about a little while ago, you know, my PT background is definitely heavily uh, manual based uh, trained and definitely exercise as well, um, you know, so I did my strength and conditioning certification. And so I've always combined both and was like huge believer in uh, combining your manual techniques with exercise. Um, so I never saw myself never putting my hands on a patient and, like, yeah. you know, seeing someone virtually. <laughs> um, so definitely, you know, the pandemic sped all of that up. I did know that I would have a digital presence. I didn't know it would be the way that I'm actually doing it now. Um, I thought it would be more of kind of ebooks, things like that, um, digital products, right? Like mm-hmm. programs, stuff like that, that actually weren't my my time, right. And, okay. and working with, you know, whether it was if you wanted to call it telehealth, which is what I started doing initially. Um, and now it is more of a coaching, really yeah. uh, program.
0: That's awesome. That's good to know, like for anyone else out there, too, because I think there might be a lot of people that kind of start in that, that space, especially because you're like, okay, like, you know, more, you know, passive income, per se, like hands off kind of say ways to help more runners, but not necessarily more of my time. So what, kind of shifted it into coaching? How did that come about?
1: Um, Well, I I was kind of in a situation where you know, my following, you know, through the podcast, through my healthy runner Facebook group was definitely growing. And my message was resonating, um, with people and I was getting, you know, some really good feedback, some good engagement. And I was kind of in a place where I was like, what do I do with this? And then the pandemic hit and gyms closed. And I was like, all right, I need to work out of my home and my living yeah. room. I have a little extra time now. I'm not treating patient, you know, I didn't treat anyone for a good, like two weeks um, when everything shut down. And then I went back like one day a week, you know, as compared to when I was seeing, you know, patients, you know, in person four to five days a week. Right. So um, I had a lot more time. So I'm like, all right, like you need to actually put together a strength training program for runners and like share what I've done personally for myself. You know, the last really 9 years as a runner and just integrating everything that I've ever learned as a PT yeah. and was like all right create this program and I created it mm-hmm. and it was like super low budget like um I was just really doing it with my like immediate like Facebook group followers for like super cheap yeah. um, but I did finally have the time to actually build out a program with like six yeah. different full body workouts and with all the principles that I wanted to put in the program yeah. um in the strength uh training program so That kind of was the first step, but then I knew I needed, uh, to learn how to, um, put this in something that's more sustainable. So then that's when you and I met and (laughs) I jumped in the, uh, coaching program, uh, that you were with our coaches, Alex and Will, who are just amazing. Shout out to them. (laughs) We, and, I
0: thought about it. We should bring both them on. I think they both, they, I mean, they both run it in some degree. So
1: yeah, absolutely. That'd be awesome. And they've really helped me with the strategies to learn how to, you know, put that together into an actual product. And so I wound up doing that housing it on a platform and it just started out with working and especially with the timing of the year, it was winter time. And, you know, most runners aren't running races in the winter and there were no races anyway, everything was virtual and, you know, let's focus on strength training. So that's really where it started. And that was like my first product I kind of sold. Right. And then I I started doing some coaching, but it was just the strength element. And then that really worked out well in terms of like customizing things for runners. And the feedback was great. And I was only doing strength training, coaching, not even like building their run plans.
0: Right. Right. And
1: they were getting like really good results. They were really happy. And I was actually impressed that via zoom, like we can actually do this and I can, you know, take a look at your problems, provide you solutions and you actually get stronger and your runs are getting easier for you because now you're stronger and your legs don't feel so heavy. So then it kind of evolved to, okay, now things are opening up. Spring's coming. Let's combine it with the run plan as well. Um, so that's where it kind of morphed into you now it's kind of like the total package of, you know, you get a strength program customized with a run plan, as well as addressing, you know, their unique needs, whether they have any, you know, chronic injuries and things like that.
0: Yeah. No, that's awesome. And so, and so before like this, you are all your online stuff was just kind of you were just guess, not guessing, but like, you know, as far as you didn't have any coaches or you hadn't had any education on like anything before we were in the same coaching program, correct? <laughs>
1: Correct. I was completely guessing. Yeah, it was (laughs) definitely like I, I was definitely, you know, learning on my own. And that's the type of person I am. And, you know, hindsight's always whatever, you know, you, you kind of are like, well, if I did this like two or three years ago, (laughs) uh, you know, I'd be a lot more further along, but I am that type of personality. So I like to try to figure things out and make it as cost effective. Um, But now that I've seen the other side of how much time I wasted and how much quicker I could have gotten to where I was, um, I wish (laughs) I did it sooner. So.
0: Yeah. I know when I started following you, it, you had a lot of stuff like down. I felt like, so you probably were doing your research on like what you need to do. Right. It look, like it looked like to me like you had been like coached by the same people as me at that time in the sense of just like little things you had done you know I was like oh he's definitely taking someone's program or something but yeah. you weren't you were doing it all on your own so <laughs> yeah
1: it was yeah it's like one of those you know passion things people like to like fix up their homes and stuff yeah I'm definitely not handy but this was like my passion project of like I, hey I'm gonna figure out how to do marketing <laughs> and awesome. I'm gonna figure out how to do some sales on my own and learn about it because we didn't learn about any no. of it in school right so no. Oh, this no. was like my new learning uh, venture
0: yeah no and you're very you're very energetic so I th- that definitely helps with all those processes I think right
1: <laughs> yeah well thank you <laughs>
0: um, what um what would you say were any like anything you had to overcome on the business side like whether it' was something internally you had to overcome something you had to learn like the sales or like what was something that was like you know difficult for you in business wise
1: well It definitely is the internal struggle you have, you know, and then we can get into like some more specific kind of tangible things. But the internal thing by far, you know, whenever you're starting a business and it's, you know, yourself and your own head, really, that's limiting you. Right. And so it's just a matter of putting the reps in you know, things look terrible. You look at posts you did, you know, when the memories come up one year, two years ago, I'm like, Oh my goodness, (laughs) I really posted that. And, you know, looking at some of the videos, but done so many now, like, I don't even care. Like, I don't even think twice. It's like just hit live and I start talking Yeah. and, you know, and I just think about like how much I used to prepare and how much like used to get nervous. And, um, it's just a matter of just putting yourself out there. Like, and just, you know, if anyone is new and they're starting, you know, the biggest thing I could say is really, you know, just do it, just do it, put yourself out there. Um, no one is going to honestly criticize you. You know, we think like everyone's judging us and, you know, just speak to your people, like the people that you are trying to attract. Right. Right. So for me, it was like, the middle-aged runner. Like that was who I was talking to. I wasn't specifically talking to clinicians, right. Yep. I wasn't, yep. I've taught many continuing education courses. I've taught <laughs> PT students. Like I, and that for me, was hard in the beginning because I had too much jargon in there. I thought yeah. I, you know, cause yeah. I was so used to talking to clinician and so I really enjoyed the challenge of like actually talking to just the general public and trying to educate yeah. them on, you know, the conditions that are really limiting their running.
0: Yeah. I did have you mentioned. So the middle-aged runners that's kind of like your your niche, would you say? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I would I would say that's, you know, do I have clients who are in their 30s and in their right. 20s? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, do we have some older? But the middle-aged runners pretty much, you know, my my kind of target, and I, I, you know, resonate with them the most. And, you know, right. it's kind of like we're in the same situation. Like I got a middle schooler, a high schooler. Um, yeah. You know, when you hit 40, it's wait, wait until you get there. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's definitely different than different. 30s. It really yeah. is different. <laughs> um, and the 30s, where it's a challenge too, I think, like becoming a parent, you know, for me, you know, things are different. It's like you're a parent and then it's like you still want to, like, have that sense of control or like fitness level. Right. Yeah. And for me, it was like, no, I'm not going to become like that overweight dad, like just cause I'm a dad now. Right. Like <laughs> I always like went in the gym and like stayed fit no matter yeah. what, cause I needed to for myself. And right. if I didn't do it for myself, I wasn't going to be the best dad that I could be to my daughters. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't even know how he started going down that. That's okay. Well. I was oh, yeah, asking. yeah. The, like the target <laughs> runners are like my avatar, so to speak, you know, yeah. it's definitely more that middle-aged uh, runner.
0: Yeah, no, I was just curious. I was thinking that before I was like wondering if there's like a certain population you really like to work with. So that makes sense. It's always easy when it is ourselves too, in the sense of like you can relate to your people and, and all that. So super cool. So definitely the internal struggles is always that. That's always like the number one thing I think in business for sure. Um, anything else, like from like more of like a you know, logistics side of things. You know, is it like sales, marketing, or anything else that, that you just really had to learn that really helped you? Um, you know, take off over the past year.
1: Yeah, the sales part was huge, huge, huge. Because again, I'm a lot older than you, as you mentioned. <laughs> um, oh you yeah,
0: I oh, I mentioned that. <laughs> anything <laughs> you mentioned, you know that. i've been around the block
1: for a while 18 years as a pt and you know the environment i grew up in it was you know we didn't have direct access right when i started treating and everything was referrals and you know it's just that confidence of saying like hey my services are worth this and i'm providing this value so just getting over definitely a mindset thing with cost um, yeah. initially even when i opened my practice it was cash-based practice And just getting over that is like, you know, what is the cost per session? And, you know, now even in a coaching model, cost is a lot higher and it's actually crazy because it's so much easier to sell Mm -hmm. than trying to sell physical therapy in a cash-based model um, because people just view it totally differently and they think, physical therapy is what my insurance pays for, um, you know, versus, Hey, I'm working with a run coach who is a physical therapist. So the sales aspect though, um, again, you know, we never got any training whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And so just being uncomfortable talking about money in the beginning, like, I just remember how awkward I was, like, just people would ask the price and I would like say it. And like, you would almost see me like cringe. um, (laughs) And then I would do everything, you know, you're taught not to, I would try to justify it. Like I kept talking and, you know, so, you know, now it's like you drop the price and just close your mouth and have that awkward pause. It's awkward. Yes. But make them make the first move and, Mm -hmm. you know, have them, you know, say what their feelings were. And then you ask them if it's a good fit, you know? Yeah. And for the, well, you should know it's a good fit for them before you even drop the price, but, um, yeah, the sales aspect and just getting more confident in that process. And honestly, just making sure ethically it's a good fit. Yeah. Right. Like, I I can't tell you how many calls I've been on this week where literally I'm like, I'm not even pitching this. Per- like, there's right. no point right. in pitching this person because it's not a good fit. Yeah. And even if we did do this, I don't think they're going to get mm-hmm. the outcome they want to get. And honestly, it's probably not going to bring me much much satisfaction working with them. So let's just, you know, provide recommendations. So just being comfortable and not uh, putting the pressure on yourself that like you need to get a sale and you need Mm -hmm. to, you know, um, you know, pitch people. And because we're not like car salesmen, right? Like we're just like literally communicating the value that we provide to them to fix their problem. We're providing a solution. And if it's a good fit, then this is how much it's going to cost to get you your, you know, desired situation, right. Wherever yeah. they want to get.
0: Yeah, no, I like that. And I think that's always a good place to be in when it's like, when you realize it, you don't need to work with everyone. It's not like a game you're playing. It's like really just seeing if it's a good fit. And like for any of like the just runners, maybe still listening to this episode. It's like equally like you need to find a coach that you work well. Like they might be the most awesome coach, but maybe you don't fit well with them. And that's the same thing on our side. And that's where I think it's cool to be, talking with all these PTs and run coaches, like, you know, even if like, you know me, but I'm not the right fit for you. Like I'm interviewing a ton of people on here. Maybe you're better, you know, you vibe with someone else better. So I think it, you know, kind of goes both ways. And, um, you know, it's really important in your business. Like he said, like, you know, his happiness levels, if you're not going to get a fit with someone like just better to, you know, suggest a referral or whatnot. So I love that. Um, have you seen a difference in, you know, as you like, you know, you were saying at first it was uncomfortable, like price-wise, especially as you like raise prices and stuff. Have you seen a difference in the results that you're getting with um, people as, you know, prices has gone up?
1: Absolutely. Um, It's been <laughs> just amazing to see, you know, again, like working as a traditional physical therapist for 15 years and then doing kind of cash-based PT where- I, I wasn't selling or, you know, working with people for packages. And I know that was, but again, it was more of a fear of me charging that much to like, you know, sign them up for a package, even though I knew that I wasn't getting the results I wanted to get. I, there's just so many patients that I had one offs with, you know, you evaluate them, you give them a couple extra, like, they're not getting the outcome they want to get. Right. And now, you know, through like a 16 week coaching model program that I work with runners, it's kind of like, Okay, here's where you're at. We're going to get you, you know, if you are in some, you know, pain, we're going to get you running pain free. Then we're going to build up your strength the right way. And then we're going to actually progress your running. So you're running faster. And then we're going to get you to be able to crush your goal race, right? Or whatever your desired, you know, mile, you know, goal is. And you're going to get there. Like I'm confident you're going to get there in 16 weeks because we're going to do this the right way. And the outcomes are just so much you know, more life-changing and yeah. the testimonials that I get now are just like, again, life-changing, <laughs> you know, people yeah. are like, you know, I got my life back and yeah. I thought I would never be able to run again. And, you know, I never thought I could ever run a half marathon or, you know, I ran my first marathon. And so for me, it's like more satisfying, honestly, you know, the way that I'm working with runners now.
0: Yeah. No, that's awesome. And on estimate, you don't have to like know, hop ahead, but how many runners are, are you working with right now? Let the audience like doing is crushing it. So <laughs> I know you have a program coming out right now. So you might be in transition right now, or whatever, but
1: yeah. Well, so one on one clients um, that I have in like that four month program that I mentioned, the 16 week, uh, up to 28 um, people nice. that I'm helping with that. And then we also have our team. Healthy Runner program, which we have our team of run coaches um, who are just awesome people. They're just like I I've honestly am so lucky that I found these individuals. And again, it's not like I was seeking them out. It's yeah. not like I was looking to hire. Um, this was like organically happened, you know, three of them are local in my area. And then another one took the run coaching course with me, um, through RRCA and we kind of connected through that. And yeah. then we stayed in touch after that. And, you know, she liked the content I was putting out. I liked her messaging and it was just a good fit. So she's out in Arizona. She's our only like non-local, That's uh, awesome. kind of healthy runner <laughs> coach and, um, so we do like more of a team-based program which is definitely more affordable option for you know either half marathon or marathon and now actually this week we just launched a 5k our first yeah. ever 5k program <laughs> um so yeah so we have that as well and you know those programs get about 30 35 runners in those um, that we help um, through more of the team-based kind of program yeah
0: no that's awesome and and correct me if I'm wrong like, just to reiterate at beginning of the pandemic, did you have any coaching clients? Zero. Zero coaching clients. So just <laughs> to reiterate what is possible. I hope you guys can see. And this isn't his only like thing he has going commitment, right? He's a dad, he has a husband, all that as well. So um, so super awesome. And yeah, excited to see where else this brings yeah. you. And just for all the, you know, like you were saying, like just the transformations you're having in the runners too with this is just like the most awesome part of it. So um, super cool. And I guess like a last question to go along with that, like any tips you have for managing it all, right? You know, I've had a couple, um, you know, you know, podcast guests on recently kind of in similar shoes, you know, their PT run coach, dad, husband, all that. Like, how do you juggle it all? Any tips you have for anyone juggling it all?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So there are definitely a lot of balls in the air, but I've always juggled multiple jobs so like i never ever in my whole career i've worked one job ever <laughs> i started out as a personal trainer um through pt school with my strength and conditioning certification and then when i was a new grad pt i still had my personal training clients for three years and then i transitioned into part-time teaching for 10 years while i was working and then i transitioned to full-time teaching and then clinic so <laughs> i've always been juggling multiple jobs um, yeah. So I think for me, I like the variety, like I would never actually be able to do like a 40 hour job where I do the same thing. And yeah. I give credit to those clinicians that do that because yeah. I could never, and I've, yeah. <laughs> it, it's been years since I ever worked 40 hours in a clinic, right? It's always yep. been teaching and, and doing other things. Um, so I think time management is kind of key, right? And just uh, being able to manage your time. Yep. Um, and, and then you know, what I've learned over time is delegating and it's hard to give up control. um, But what are the tasks that you don't need to be doing that you can delegate? That's going to help move you forward in your goals. So I'm definitely getting better at that and being comfortable with delegating now and willing to pay, (laughs) you know, people to delegate stuff off of my plate. Um, But I I do need to just go back to, you know, a comment that you mentioned, because I think what you're doing, Kristen, is really awesome (laughs) in that you're really teaching clinicians how to like do run plans and run programs. And um, I think that's like so critical. And then having, you know, myself going through the run coaching program where they didn't teach zero about marketing and sales. Yeah. And like, I know you do that in your program. You know, obviously I knew that already going, having my cash-based practice. So I didn't need that element of it. And I already had a social media presence and a podcast and all that stuff. Um, but I think what you're doing is like very unique. And I think it is a huge service honestly there's so many clinicians yeah. to help provide them whether it's just a secondary source of income side hustle or even if it's something that they want to transition into because there are thousands and thousands of runners out there and there are thousands of thousands of runners who get injured and there is a huge need out there for runners who need good help and we can do so much better as a medical profession if we really address the needs of the runner and be able to blend the training with the physical aspect of like the injuries that we learn about. And we know so well how to treat plantar fasciitis, but it's the training element is why they yep. get injured. It's not because they're a runner. And if they go to a medical practitioner, who's not a runner, yeah. they say, well, stop running and you won't have your heel pain. <laughs> yes. yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but that's like telling you stop doing the thing that you enjoy most and you know so it, it's not really practical because runners aren't going to you know do that and or their life is going to suffer so right. i love that you're helping clinicians actually understand the training part yeah. because that's huge if you can fix that equation And this is something like I wish I knew earlier in my career, right? Right. I would, you know, do every manual technique and every exercise Mm -hmm. for plantar fasciitis. And, you know, I would get runners better. And then I would see them six months later and they're back again (laughs) and they're back again and they're back again, right? That revolving door, because you never got to actually fix the causative factor and the root cause. And it was because they didn't know how to actually train properly. Right. And they were right. running too fast, all of their easy runs, yes. or they <laughs> were doing hill work before they even built up their bodies to do tempo speed. Right. So yep. it's, you know, all the training errors is why they wind up getting injured. So I love what yep. you're doing, honestly.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's been fun. And like I've kind of shared before, it wasn't necessarily intended. It just kind of happened. And I was like, Hey, keep going. And same thing, like you were saying, it's like, also you can know how to do the plans, but it's like knowing that sales and marketing side, right? Like you can learn how to do that, but you, if you don't know how to get clients, it really doesn't matter. So as you can see, you can get lots of clients. So, <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, thank you, Duane. That's been super helpful on both ends. I know it's going to be like a super valuable episode for both the runners, uh, for the clinicians as well. Um, is there anything else you would like to share? I have like one parting question too, but anything else you would like to share, uh, as you know, either for runners or clinicians that just is on your heart to share or anything?
1: <laughs> I guess I'm gonna, I'm gonna like steal one from Nike here. To like, okay. just do it. Just do it. <laughs> yes. Just do it. Like, if you're a runner, um, just if you're intimidated by strength training, just do it. You can do it. Um, it doesn't need to be like bodybuilding, like weights, banging everywhere. You can actually do strength training in your home Mm -hmm. and actually load your muscles as they need to be loaded. And then clinicians, like if you're looking to go into working with runners, specializing working with runners, like just do it. Like the need is there. The demand is there. Like Kristen said, you know, people have been successful doing it and, you know, just get out of your limiting beliefs and, you know, just take a plunge and just put yourself out there.
0: Yeah, no, I love it. And I think we've shared enough people at this point that you see that are doing that. So it's, yeah, no, totally, totally doable. All right. So, and we'll give a chance to drop where to find you and everything in just a second, but I like to, to end every podcast episode with, um, what is your breaking five moment? So do you have any moment in your running career? Um, and if you can't, we'll give some options running career. That was like your breaking five moment, like a big goal you had that you, you know, wanted to achieve and did or anything that is in the future you'd like to achieve.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, I've only run one marathon. Um, so that was definitely, I would say a breaking five moment. Actually. Yeah. I would have to go with that one, even though it wasn't successful in the fact of, I did like every, you know, rookie marathoner does I cramped up at mile 20. I didn't know about salt tabs and I had literally like crystals of, you know, sodium and salt all over my body and every muscle in my body cramped up. And I was like stiff legged trying to like run for six miles. Um, But I did complete it. And for me, that was like huge because that was after six years of PhD work. So that was a grind, like my youngest was one years old. I went back to, you know, get a PhD um, for six years. And then once I defended that and that was done, I graduated. I was like, all right, now I can train for a marathon. So then I ran a marathon, you know, four months after I graduated from PhD uh, work (laughs) So that was definitely a point in my life where it was, it was a challenge. It was definitely going outside of my boundaries Yeah. and, you know, really kind of said, you know what, you can do hard things Yeah. and, you know, we can achieve like hard things. So I would say that that's gotta be my moment, even though it wasn't my best race by any means, uh, I could have given you some
0: training for it. Like, right.
1: Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) A
0: a busy time in your life. That's awesome. Will there be another marathon then? Or. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So I think I have decided, um, cause time is starting to free up a little bit for me and, you know, with the, the things of the business that I'm saying, you know, I'm starting to value quality of life and actually having, I think I will be ready for next year to actually be the five-year anniversary of the the marathon. And I've only done that one. So I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to, it's going to be a little comeback story. So stay tuned there you go. next there you go. October, okay. 2022 20, okay. go. run a marathon.
0: That might be, no, I think I was 2000. I ran, I ran only one two, but I think, I think it was 2018. It might've been 17. I think it's 18. So we're one year apart, but similar.
1: Okay. So,
0: anyways. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Well, we'll stay tuned for um, your next marathon then. I'm sure you will share all about it. <laughs> so awesome. Well, Dwayne, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, it's been super awesome getting to chat with you. Um, been a long time coming. Where can our listeners find you at?
1: Yeah, so home base is sparkyourtraining.com. And, you know, definitely the Healthy Runner podcast, um, wherever you get your podcast, Healthy Runner Facebook group is very active. Um, our whole coaching team provides daily content in there with a lot of great running tips, um, just a lot of value. Um, and it's an awesome community, honestly. It's no judgment zone. And, you know, it's there are a lot of running communities out there that are kind of like just post a selfie and, you know, me, 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 this is like everyone really like pitches in and answers questions. And, um, I just love the community. Honestly. Um, I couldn't be more proud of, of like growing that community from the start. And, um, on YouTube, um, if you're a runner and you're wondering about some of these, you know, exercises and things, I have like over 200 videos on YouTube, spark your training, um, on YouTube, And yeah, I think that's pretty much it. And we'll drop the link for that PDF for plantar fasciitis.
0: Yes, so we'll have the link in the show notes for um, the plantar fasciitis PDF. Super awesome. And thank you for sharing that. That'll be helpful for anyone else with heel pain. You know, maybe I'll just have to use it, you know, never know. But (laughs) anyways, Dwayne, thank you so much again for coming on. This has been another episode of Breaking Five, a running podcast. Um, Anything last parting words? I know we did that already. Just making sure I didn't cut you off.
1: No. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate this, Kristen. This was fun.
0: Yes. This has been fun and great to chat uh, one-on-one. I know we have chatted a lot, but not really one-on-one. So um, thank you so much again and everyone else. We will catch you next time on a breaking five running podcast until then go run your life and we'll see you next time. Bye guys. All right, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Breaking Five, a running podcast. We hope you are running away with some inspiration, tips, and actionable items that you can put towards your Breaking Five moment. Lastly, if you know anyone else with a Breaking Five moment, That doesn't have to actually mean literally breaking five, just a breaking five moment in general, in running, in life, or anyone else who has great knowledge and background in helping others reach their breaking five moment. I would love for you to put me in contact with them. We would love to have them on the show. So if you could, and let them know, if you know of someone else, tell them to reach out to me at my Instagram. And that is at Kristen underscore run your life. Again, that's at Kristen underscore Run Your Life. And could you do me a favor? And if you enjoyed today's episode and can think of anyone else who could benefit from listening to it, could you go ahead and share this out on your social media or share this directly with them? That would mean the world to me, seriously. And make sure if you have not already, make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so that you get our weekly updates as we drop the next episodes. Thank you everyone. We seriously appreciate you tuning in today. We'll see you next time. And until then go run your life.